Nocode became like a just a savior for many of his businesses. Low code might be revolutionizing software development, but Google is revolutionizing where we can use it and how. Welcome to Low Code Ninjas. My name is John Kutsir. And my name is Peggy Ann Saltz. And today, John, we're going to be talking about Google, AI, the cloud, and of course, what we do here, right? Low code. Absolutely, Peggy. And you know, it's kind of funny because when we think of Google, we think search, email, AI, productivity apps, self-driving cars, all that stuff. And super smart developers who are building some of the most technologically advanced apps and software on the planet. But some of those super smart developers are actually building tools for, well, maybe me, maybe you, maybe all of the rest of us. That's the whole idea. And if you've been watching it, and I know you have, John, uh, recently Google bought AppSheet. That's an AI-powered business automation platform that lets anyone, that means us too, create apps, right, without having to code. That's the whole idea. And also Google Cloud at a higher level is leading the charge to help others do that. So it's about people, but it's about businesses. It's about digital transformation. That's the topic we love here because it's all about unlocking the creativity of everyone. And we're going to talk about that today because we're going to be having our chat with Google's general manager for cloud, Amit Zavari. Welcome to Low Code Ninjas. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you, John, for having me. We are super happy to have you, Amit. Thank you for joining us. Amit, let's start right here. Why do we need low code and no code in the enterprise? Yeah, I think we've been talking to many of our customers who are large users of cloud services. And I think uh, the developers, no doubt, love the technology and the things we offer in our cloud today. But there are a lot of their partners inside the enterprise who are not able to leverage the benefits of building an application or taking the advantage of security and underlying technologies to be able to build those applications easily. They have to wait for the IT counterparts or developers to kind of help them implement the business workflows or make them more productive. And that usually takes a long time. There are tons of priorities for IT. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we can still provide the power of our cloud services, but much in a much easier way for everybody to kind of get advantage of it. So we've been talking to those customers. We said, what would you kind of, how, how can Google help you? And everybody wants to be very productive and be able to build applications. And that's really where we started kind of delivering this idea of, no code based application development, uh, which runs on top of our cloud services, but it's easy for anybody to kind of take advantage of. So I could just build a back office application myself? Yeah, so usually what typically we've seen with our no code platform is users basically have a lot of back end systems today. Most of the enterprises have legacy applications or any other applications, which has a lot of data and information they need, but they're all siloed or, or kind of run in a very different way. What you can do easily now is build a mobile app or build a business workflow without having to understand how the data is formatted, what the interfaces are, writing any code. We can abstract out the interfaces through APIs and suddenly it's all available through, through a SaaS service and you kind of write your business logic and uh, build an application. That sounds really cool, Peggy, because I sucked at SQL, so that would be really neat. I wouldn't have to know the data model or anything like that. 
One final question for Amit before I turn it back over to Peggy. Obviously, this is great for individuals, business managers, marketing leaders, whatever, just people in the company who want to build something. But do actual developers want to use this sometimes too because they can just build something so much faster? Yeah, no, no, we've seen that. I think it's always typically what we've seen with the adoption cycle is that no doubt citizen developers or inside a department, an analyst who wants to build an application for the four or five users they have in, in common with the same kind of requirements. And slowly it starts becoming very prevalent across the different, different departments very soon. And then IT or developers get involved because they want to provide standard compliance things. They want to make sure right people have right privileges. So we started seeing a lot more adoption now coming from IT because they want to be part of that community and provide all the help and reuse in many cases as well. So no doubt, I think it is still meant for student developers when we build a lot of the no-code tooling, but it of course helps anybody else to build and quickly deliver productive apps. And that's, of course, transformational. That's what I got excited about at the start, John, because you know, this is not just about tech. We're talking about something bigger. And to your point and what you've been calling it, um, it, you've called it already. You know, 2020 was the year of low code. I'd like to just stop right there and understand why. Yeah, I think if 2020, for example, I mean, all of us are kind of dealing with COVID-related issues, right? Hmm. The big thing which we saw for many of our customers was the need for digital-based front-ends, mortgage lenders, car dealers, uh, people who used to interact with their uh, customers in person are not able to do that anymore, but they still want to run the business. And if you had to now make the digital front-end through whole coding experience and build all those applications, it would have taken a long, long time. And who knows that business logic better than the end user, the, the analyst who's interacting with the end user, they know what they need telehealth, all these kind of things have become very prevalent uh, since March, as you know. And that's why I think we saw that spike in terms of the user community picking up no-code-based tools and platform because they wanted to provide those applications and interfaces to their end users very quickly and still be able to run the business on, on, in a very, very productive manner because of the way things were becoming uh, important for them to kind of run. So that's what we landed up uh, seeing a huge adoption. And the no code became like a just a savior for many of these businesses. Mm. Um, healthcare, no doubt, we had a lot of, lot of hospitals who were using it to kind of keep track of beds, PPE supplies. Uh, we had uh, mortgage lenders who were doing all of the paperwork through an automated system built on an application on AppSheet. Uh, we were seeing similar kind of things in the car dealerships. So we saw that across the board. So initially, we used to see our no-code tools being used for departmental apps inside an organization, uh, for the procurement or supply chain management or travel approvals, those kind of usual internal employee-centric business processes. But since March, we see now that kind of go outside the organization into the customer-facing realm as well. And then connecting all the backend data and making it very feasible for companies to continue surviving in this kind of a mode. So that's why I thought that this last year, 2020, no doubt, was really kind of eye-opening for all of us in terms of how no-code saved many of these companies uh, and allowed them to be relevant during a very difficult time for everyone. I mean, I like that thought and, and thinking about it from just the level of low code first for the applications. Now you're talking about building complete flows. You know, it's not just about what do we have to have in the application, in the service, but 
how does the company connect with itself, with its partners? So on the back of all that, what is 2021? I mean, it's not a fair question, (laughs) but uh, I would still like to hear what you think it is. If that was the year of low code, what is this? The low code transformation, perhaps? Yes, I think the way I look at it is the no code is here to stay. And I think people are going to use technologies like this and platforms like this to build applications and make it easy for them to interact with all the different parties involved in the ecosystem, no doubt. Uh, How do we make it now even more relevant and make it more productive, but also make it more part of the overall development ecosystem as well? Uh, So what I'm seeing and what we're doing uh, over the last year already is bringing in technologies like AI, but not as kind of the answer for the end user, hey, this is AI, please go use it. But how do I, as a developer, people who are building the platform, use AI to make it easy for you to build an application? How do I have intent-based modeling built in so that I know what you're wanting to do and help you through it in a much faster way? Uh, provide you a lot of the connectors to the backend systems uh, so that you, as, as a citizen developer, don't even have to know where this data is coming from or how it's laid out, but I can see it easily in my palette and I'm be able to kind of deliver that uh, application development environment very quickly. So AI bringing and making it a workflow, uh, business processes, making it a little more smoother uh, and be predicting how, what, and everything else everybody wants to do. So I, I'd expect, I think, business flows and business applications all kind of connecting it together and providing a low-code and no-code kind of technologies to make it easier for end users to kind of do what they need to do very quickly and easily. I love that answer, Peggy, because honestly, we can build 500 million apps. We've seen the research saying we need 500 million apps, right? And we need them in lots of little different places, but they're kind of useless if there's a little piece over here and a little piece over there and a little piece in another place. It all needs to connect back. And that, of course, is one of the dangers of giving citizens the tools, right? Build anything, build anywhere. That's kind of a nightmare in a historical sense for IT people, technology executives, because what are these people using? What's that team using? How can I manage everything? How can I control the data? How can I make sure it all comes together? But we're seeing how that's possible when you're building tools on a platform where all the data does come together. So Amit, I've worked in enterprise. I've led startups. I talk to hundreds of companies a year. So does Peggy. I'm not sure I've ever met one that doesn't need some level of digital transformation, which has been a big thing for easily a decade. But we know that there was a massive increase in that and acceleration in 2020, as you talked about, all those processes that were manual needed to be digital, all those processes that were in person needed to be online, other things like that. How can low code and no code tools help with digital transformation? Yeah, no, I think, the, as, as you mentioned, digital transformation has been talked around for many, many years. And that the companies, some of the companies have been pretty aggressive in doing that enterprises. Some of them have been like, okay, I'll do this pieces, but not this one. I'll take my time. Uh, no doubt 2020 accelerated all of that. I mean, every enterprise I used to speak to, the first thing on their top of the mind was digital transformation, automating the business processes, digitizing that whole workflow. And what the the no-code platform can do for those enterprises, one, is to really make it easy for the systems and the business processes, which most of the analysts and the, the kind of departmental line of business users know more about, make it part of the overall digital transformation. As you said, there are a lot of users who would build their things separately, and it was not part of the core ecosystem inside an enterprise. Now, those two things need to now becoming more connected, 
because now that's a top of mind for everyone that we should not have too many rogue applications running around without some kind of semblance of what's going on inside an enterprise. So this is where the no-code connectivity and what we've done in our platform and at AppSheet and the rest of the things we're doing in Google Cloud is to really make sure we provide compliance tools, governance mm -hmm. in the platform itself. So the citizens developer don't have to worry about it, but IT is part of the process. And this is where the enterprise are very excited about and everybody we speak to, we're still adhering and delivering this for enterprises, but we want to make it easy for the line of business users to build applications while IT participates in the process without kind of stopping them or encumbering them with some kind of issues or telling them you can't do this X, Y, Z, right? You still want to make sure that the right person has the right access of data. You want to have all the security privileges, nothing should change. Nobody should get access to information just because I build a no-code based application. If you're not allowed to use that information, uh, you need to have all the scalability requirements delivered so that the thousands of users even just start using this thing. It should scale, it should not fall, fall down and then you have to rebuild it again. Uh, you need all the different connectivity to all the different backend systems. So all that stuff which is required for any kind of enterprise application needs to be part of it. But I want to remove the barriers of building that application. So those two things are now coming together. And this is where I think the no-code tools and the platforms out, what we're building with the backend system we build on Google Cloud, now all the, the compliance around all that stuff and governance around that makes it much, much more relevant. That's genius. That is, I can imagine a lot of developers, you know, people saying, oh, great, now I don't have to worry about that stuff, you know, because they want to do their thing. I talk a lot to companies in the gaming space, right? And it's just like, I don't want to think about that. I want to make an amazing game. But no, it's, uh, it's the privileges, it's the preferences, it's privacy, all of that. It all has to be done, but yeah. it's great when it's being done someplace else. And that's why we're talking here about, well, not just a shift that you're watching, but what's interesting is Google is also seeking to shape this, which I think is very important because it needs to have that framework. It needs to have that guidance. And you've done that. We talked about one of your recent acquisitions, right, with AppSheet, but there's others. I'd love if you could just walk us through some of the milestones on this pathway to uh, unlocking low code. Yeah, I think if you look at, I mean, Google, of course, has been in the forefront of collaboration and communication and productivity tools uh, with the offerings we had with Gmail and things we do around Drive, Docs, uh, Sheets, and all those kind of things. And now with the workspace, which brings a lot of the video conferencing and everything else together as a very end user tooling, but powerful platform underneath the covers. So the way we see this thing is that how do we now add more and more capabilities for an enterprise to be productive as well as be secured and scalable? And this is how we've been looking at from Google Cloud perspective, that let's take the powerful platform we have where you can build applications, uh, do any developer can get online and start building very powerful applications on this. We have done things with containers, with Kubernetes, we have TensorFlow and AI. So a lot of those powerful technologies invented at Google, but delivered to all the developer community to build interesting and powerful applications today. So we have thousands of users like that. And then as we go forward, we want to make sure that we kind of democratize or open that up to everyone. So that's where the productivity tools with Workspace comes in place, running with that powerful platform underneath the covers. AppSheet acquisition was part of the strategy to really make it easy for you to extend that business productivity tools with a lot more ability to kind of create a workflow, uh, interface the backend data and make uh, and use a very, very productive. So that's how we looked at that. We also have technologies around API management where you can expose any backend services through a layer of APIs. 
So it abstracts out the complexity and the need to know how the underlying technologies or services are running, right? So the APIs are kind of the core of a digital platform now. As many, I mean, everybody talks about digital transformation and that first thing everybody wants to do is to make an API layer so that anybody can get access to it appropriately through some kind of rules. But now you have much easier way to build applications around it. So we did an acquisition of Apigee many, many years ago. Uh, we did AppSheet as a no-code tooling. We've been buying a lot of other capabilities to really complete out our platform, uh, like Looker, for example, for doing business intelligence and analytics. So all this kind of easy to use, very simple way for you to access that information, which might be in every system out there, we want to provide and bring that connectivity to that. Right? So we've been building a lot of those technologies. We've been buying some of the stuff and bringing them all together as part of Google Cloud platform with the productivity tooling and no code platform as well. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about how people are using that. And you've shared already in this session what some people are doing. You talk about car dealerships, right? Car dealerships using Google tools to build back office functionality. You mm -hmm. talked about hospitals and the medical profession using those tools during a pandemic. Maybe uh, what were some of the most surprising uses that you've heard of using these low-code tools? Yeah, no, I think uh, to me, initially what most of the users we used to talk to were departmental line of business users. So that very quick change and without even like us having to do a lot of stuff on our end, suddenly be able to deliver any kind of application which could be consumer-facing and scaling your business processes was pretty uh, interesting for sure, right? I mean, the car dealership was not something we were targeting. I mean, we usually talk, talk to <laughs> our manufacturers for sure. Yeah, we would call, talk to some of the dealership for running the internal business processes. But now them being able to now provide through a video conference, demo, show a car, do a contract and make their business still run and uh, operate without having in-person interaction was definitely very, very interesting as well. So we saw that across many, many industries, right? I mean, you look at healthcare use cases were very different than what we had thought about before. I mean, telehealth, I mean, we had doctors and patient interactions through mm -hmm. applications built like this, where you're chatting, talking about things, doing a video conference, but also collecting notes and information, which is private and very important going back into the back end uh, the patient uh, systems. Yeah. Right. So yeah. how we connect all that stuff together and making that all happen were very, I think, uh, very interesting as well. Well, Peggy, in the morning, I sell cars. In the afternoon, I build, I code applications with Google. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, what I think is exciting here, and I just love you to weigh in on this because I'm thinking as you're speaking and, you know, Everything happens at the fringe or at the intersection. That's where everything exciting happens, the innovation. And the whole idea is that there's this like this big middle section. We've always been focused on large, large companies. But what I'm hearing here is that you know, there's a lot happening in the middle that's going to be very exciting to watch. You know, car dealerships are not major companies, but unlock that, let them connect. And that might be where everything happens, not because large companies are usually a little slow or right now they're, you know, focused on other things in the world. Right. But it sounds like it's like, you know, a little bit of we the people is coming through here or am I reading too much into that? I think no, the no, you're probably right. Uh, I think, uh, as I said, the digital front end now is needed for everyone. So it's, it used to be that you use uh, most of the smaller enterprises or smaller 
businesses used to have to go through some third party as their front end, typically. I mean, look at marketplaces or most of the e-commerce was going through third party most of the time. Now you see them all opening up their businesses directly to their buyers. And maybe it could be B2B, it could be B2C, it could be B2B2C, it could be any model, but the end customer, they are having a lot more direct interaction than they used to have previously. And I think COVID has opened, if you look at the amount of business done outside a marketplace, but through a digital channel outside of like a centralized marketplace is much higher than it used to be uh, pre-COVID. There were three, four big e-commerce marketplaces. Now there's no longer that only case. You can still have your front end through and get it hosted and run it yourself and run your own procurement, run your own supply chain. There are a lot of service providers like that. So how do you now give them the tooling and the platform to make that business successful without having to learn technology, without having to build huge, large IT departments? And that's where I think technologies like no-code platform, like AppSheet, what we're doing with Workspace uh, and the integration between those kind of things makes it much more productive for them. Because we have a lot of SMBs and a lot of large enterprises, of course, using Workspace today, right? And they are uh, using Gmail and they're using Sheets and Docs and all kind of stuff. And now they're having a powerful platform like AppSheet attached to it so that you can now build a digital front end as well. I'm wondering where, you know, I would say automation, but I will say just AI in general, because this is a big deal and everybody wants to get in on it. Have you heard anyone, John, say they don't want to put this on their stretch goal list for 2021? It's that big, would, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's really important and particularly for companies here in the middle, because they're allowed now to connect and build their connected companies, which is what we have to do. It's all remote work anyway. Where does AI fit into all this? And also in your vision um, as well. You know, I think AI has always been uh, one of the big differentiators for Google across all of our services. And I think in in the previous few years, AI was a platform and uh, direct service we provided to developers. And we continue doing that. We provide frameworks and all the tooling and everything else. But I think second, the, over the last couple of years, the important step we have taken is to really embed AI, but more centric towards industry solutions. Right, so what does a particular vertical, if you're doing, say, know your customer, KYC workflow, or you're doing, uh, you, as a bank, you want to make sure there's no money laundering going on, how do you find that data or information inside your transactions? Uh, the patient management and interaction in healthcare. All of the things are verticalized, industry-specific business processes, but they all need to be automated. And this is where we're bringing the power of AI I mean, call center automation, right? I mean, a lot of interaction happening through chatbots, through the phone. Can I deflect a lot of those things and make it much more productive for the end user who's trying to find that information? So how do we bring a power of AI into those kind of capabilities uh, without the enterprise or the IT department having to learn everything and inside out about AI? So we want to, we have a lot of good engineers, of course, at Google who, can, who understand AI very well. They can use it to build those apps and provide you the, the value and the, the benefits of it uh, without you as an enterprise having to deal with all the complexity. So how can I make you productive, make it happen quickly, uh, but with the latest generation technology underneath the covers? And a good thing is that with the cloud service, all these things are running and operating in the cloud, I can make changes very quickly underneath the covers without the end user having to deal with any of this stuff. 
So we run it, we operate it, we understand the data models, we can bring all the different systems together for you and operate it for you. So that's how I see AI. AI is an enabler and an embedded technology, a very pervasive technology, but without needing to know the complexity. Ahmed, I love that vertical focus because there's this baseline layer of AI, right? For NLP or just understanding what's in an image or other things like that. But to apply it to business problems, that's critical. I remember I was talking to a VP at American Express and they were able to vastly improve their customer service and their speed of responsiveness to people opening an account or doing other things like that because AI had reduced their risk exposure by something like 80%, a huge amount. So that was very industry specific, vertical specific, but had a huge customer impact. I want to talk about tipping points. Most technologies that achieve scale do hit a tipping point, and then we just see them cascade. Now, you called 2020 the year of low code, and that's when we saw a ton of investment, and we're continuing to see a ton of investment in low code and no code. We're also continuing to see some mergers and acquisitions as well. I want to talk about tipping points as it relates to low code. Have we reached that for low code or no code yet? Does it vary in different verticals or applications? And how will we know when we've hit a tipping point for low code or no code? Yeah, I think the one thing is important to differentiate between no code and low code. I think the low code has been around. I mean, any kind of abstracted IDE or 5G yes. or GL, I mean, languages and all that kind of stuff. It's always been like, okay, how low is it? I can fake <laughs> it, but I don't have to write a lot of code. I can still kind of build an application. And if I need to, I can look at the code and say, I can go to SQL code and make some changes. But typically, that was geared to make the developer productive. Versus no code, what we believe is important is it's really no code. You should not have to see a single line of code. You shouldn't have to understand anything as a builder of application in terms of how the app is built. That's not your day-to-day -day job. Your job is to understand the business process, uh, your business requirements, and build an app and get your vision delivered as an app. Right. So I think that's really where now the technology has become good enough and powerful now with what we've done. Uh, with AppSheet and other things we're building in our platform to make that happen. Previously, it was not possible. Mm -hmm. Most of people, if you, most of the tools out there would kind of call it uh, no code or low code, but fake it in a way. Few things you can do with a few clicks. And after that, you have to go into some kind of uh, ID and start writing some code or at least change some parameters. We have made sure that what we do and we continue delivering is that you never have to do that. Sure, if you want to write code, there's a lot of technologies Google Cloud provides. There's never been any breadth of ability for developers to build things on a platform, right? But uh, we also want to make sure that folks who are not really interested in that, we can still provide them the ability to do what they need to do. Maybe not to the extent that all the flexibility, but powerful enough to really make you productive and deliver those things you want for your business. So that, I think, is the tipping point. How many of those users we can really keep on meeting their needs? And the volume keeps on going up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the what we'll see slowly, and I think a lot of the low code providers, and I think right now analysts and everybody kind of jumbles the two and people kind of, when, when they start using it, they realize, oh my God, I got the wrong thing because that's not really what I wanted to do. So it's important for the community to start thinking about that little more two separate kind of parameters. And there are a lot of value and usage for low code, no doubt. And uh, a lot of users will want that. But there, there's a larger, much 10x larger community for no code. And yes. that's the one which we want to make sure mm. we can bring the power of Google innovation and a platform to make that feasible for them to be using this kind of platform as well. 
Peggy, this is essentially Roblox for back office applications, right? <laughs> Drag and drop. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and that's going to be fantastic. I don't know if you remember it, Sean, but a while back, I was thinking about it just now. There was a book, and the title was just so frightening at the time because I don't know code. And uh, it was called Program or Be Programmed. Right? <laughs> and it was like, is that what awaits us? I'm disenfranchised. That's it. It's over. Here's your power back, Peggy. This is some of it. This is some of my superpowers. I mean, you talk about your vision for it. I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, do you think about what you're unlocking? Do you think about what that can be concretely? Particularly, no, I, think I think we're just scratching the surface, to be honest. I think that we accelerated some of these things in 2020. As more powerful the platform we deliver, and we continue to innovate and add a lot of capabilities. And I would, I mean, ask you guys to try it out. I mean, go to AppSheet, build an app. I mean, there are a lot of pre-built apps you can make changes to, or you can build your own thing. Put the data in Sheet and then build an app which you can share among families or among your employee pool and everybody else. And it's a powerful way to kind of get things done. Uh, and so I think we are scratching the surface as, as, as you were asking before, like what are the things which surprised us? I think there are a lot of things I've used cases I didn't even dreamt about or thought about or the things which have been done I don't even know about now, which is what I want. I don't want to know about all the things. I just want people to be able to do what they need to do. And if they're able to achieve it, they don't call us, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Well, Amit, this has been a ton of fun. It's been super informative. I uh, want to thank you for coming on Low Code Ninjas. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me, Peggy and John. Thank you, Amit. It's been inspiring, really. And I do like the idea of having a few superpowers going into the new year. And I'm trying to imagine John making an app right now, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have made apps. I have built web apps. I have built mobile apps. I have literally done this. I suck at it, but I have done it. <laughs> That's interesting. That's it. See, there's no end of the surprises here. That's why everyone is tuning in, right? So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It's been a great show. Thank you, Amit. And of course, like the show, share the show, sign up for it, encourage it, subscribe on all the usual platforms. And of course, we want to hear from you this year. We want to understand how you're using Low Code. If you want to find out how to be a guest on Low Code Ninjas, be part of the Low Code revolution that we're building here, we're documenting right here, John. You can, of course, get in contact with me on email. Yes, a little old school, but some people use it. Peggy at mobilegroove.com. Of course, DM me on LinkedIn. And John, how can they get you? Oh, uh, they can email me at uh, devnull. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm available on Twitter. I'm available on LinkedIn as well. And I occasionally do check my LinkedIn messages. It does happen once a year. Uh, no, a little bit more frequently than that. But yes, Peggy is the one to get in, in touch with. She's in charge here. You are the boss. Um, wow. So <laughs> you are the one. Uh, but it has been amazing. Amit, thank you, Peggy. It has been wonderful. Uh, looking forward to our next show. Until then, this is John Kitsier for Logo Ninjas. And this is Peggy Ansel signing off. Until next time, of course, stay safe, keep well, and we'll see you soon.